What's going on, Three Circle Church? I'm so glad to be here with you this evening uh, as we wrap up our summer midweek series on Philippians. If we haven't met yet, my name is Jordan, and I'm the student pastor at our Daphne campus. And it is going to be my pleasure to get to go over Philippians 4, 14 through 20 with you tonight. Uh, now, as many of the pastors who you've heard from already have said, this is one of my favorite books of the Bible. Uh, I really think that's because there's so much biblical truth that you can get from it. And I really think that's why we chose it uh, as a series this summer, because we're currently like in this almost unprecedented time. And really, it's awesome to get to look back into God's word and and just remember uh, what it means to be a believer and how we should respond to the truth that Jesus Christ died and rose again uh, for us. And so I'm pumped to get into this. And I know I've already gained so much from this series. And I really hope that you guys have too. Uh, You've had the chance to listen to a wide variety of our Three Circle staff members, and they've all brought phenomenal words. Uh, So before we begin the end of this series, let me pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you and I praise you for this day. God, I pray that as we get into your word, that you remind us who you are and what you've done for us. God, I pray that as we read and, and hear, we, we listen with open hearts and open minds. Uh, and God, that we don't just learn something new uh, from today's teaching, but instead we become uh, better followers of who you are and what you've set out for us. So God, I thank you and I pray this in your name. Amen. Now, you guys knew this was coming, but you probably didn't know it was coming right at the beginning. So go ahead and just grab your Bibles now, uh, open them up to Philippians uh, 4, and we're going to be reading uh, chapter, or verses 14 uh, through 20. Now, I'm going to be reading in the English Standard Version, uh, but as a student pastor, my take is it doesn't matter your translation as long as it's one that you're actually reading. Uh, so whatever you're going to be reading with us today, feel free to just follow along as I read. It says, yet it was kind of you to, st- uh, to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourself know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except only you. Even Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but that I seek the fruit uh, that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Ephrathitis the gift you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And may my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, as we look at these few verses, they almost read like the final uh, part of a letter, like a thank you uh, section. And, and really, that, that's what they are. And, and it's a really good thank you. Like, it would have been awesome to be uh, the Philippian church right now because Paul really just opens up and he just throws out like all of this great things that, that he thinks that they've been doing uh, to spread the gospel. In the first two verses, he, he lets them know that they've shared with him uh, in their suffering, right? Uh, and then not only that, but they were the only church to give to him in the beginning. And I don't, I don't know about you guys, but I, I'm automatically thinking of the other Greek churches uh, in that moment and how much that would have hurt for them to like hear uh, if you're in Corinth or if you're in Thessalonica to hear like, oh man, well, you guys really didn't do much. You dropped the ball, but the church of Philippi, they were just knocking out of the park. And of course, as he continues to read, he, he starts to point out some of the specific gifts that they gave him. Uh, and, and the one that really stands out is that fragrant offering, right? 
Uh, he, he calls it out specifically. And I, I think there's, there's a point to that is it shows that they weren't just giving a little, they were giving lavishly. Uh, and, and where I'm getting that from is, I don't know about you guys, but I remember that scene in the book of John whenever uh, Mary goes to Jesus's feet and she breaks that bottle of fragrance and, and starts to clean his feet. Uh, and what I remember more is Judas freaking out in that moment uh, because that 12 ounces of fragrance uh, was worth about 300 denarii. And so it makes sense that you wouldn't maybe understand the denarii to USD exchange rate, but understand that one denarii was equal to about a whole day's worth of work. And so a 12-ounce bottle was almost a year's worth of wages. And so this is the type of gift that the, the church of Philippi uh, was giving Paul. It, it tells me that they weren't just giving here and there. They were actually funding um, his ministry. They were funding uh, his missions. And, and so I, I think that's amazing to just understand through the extent at which they were involved. Uh, and then Paul continues, and I think this is really cool, is he gives them the credit for the fruit that is coming from his work, right? He gives all glory to God at the end, of course, but he does point out that the credit belongs to them because of their giving. And of course, this credit uh, was churches being planted, thousands of people coming to Christ, uh, and he thanks them for that. And so as a pastor, like I, if I'm sitting here and reading this letter to my students, I would be super ecstatic to hear this news. Or even as a member of Three Circle Church, like getting read a letter like this, I, I would be so like hyped up about what God is doing. Um, but the thing is, is that letter wasn't necessarily for us, like it was for them. Uh, but that doesn't mean Three Circle Church hasn't uh, read letters like that. Uh, I don't know if you remember a few weeks back, but Pastor Chris actually uh, put out our quarterly report uh, and what that does is it tells you all of the things that we have gotten to do for the gospel as a church during this season. And so if you haven't read that yet, I imagine that you would be just as excited to see what your church is doing as the Philippians were excited to see what Paul is doing. But like I said, this thank you is, is not for us. It was for them. But that does not mean we can learn from it. And so I think there's some timeless truth uh, that we can pull from it. And there's three main points that stood out to me uh, that are really applicable during this time that we find ourselves in. Uh, the first is that as a believer, we need to have an attitude of gratitude, right? Now, I know you're hearing that and you're like, okay, that's the student pastor trying to make some snappy pastoral rhyme. Uh, but all alliteration aside, it's true. I really think as believers, gratitude is essential uh, to our walk. And the thing is, is it's mentioned so much and so strongly in this section, we cannot just pass over it. Uh, and I think that's because Paul wasn't just trying to say thank you uh, to the Philippians. I think he was trying to actually teach them what gratitude looked like and why it was important to the believer. And of course, that leads us to asking, well, why is gratitude important to me as a believer? Like, what does it mean for me? Well, I got two reasons for you. First, it's important because it puts others above ourselves. Here we have Paul, the church planter of all church planters, right? He is, he is the original one that just went out and did this amazing missionary journey. And on these journeys, man, he was stoned, he was flogged. Um, they would literally chase him out of cities. And so this guy was putting like blood, sweat, and tears in the gospel. And yet he doesn't give himself any glory. He gives all the glory to God. And yet he doesn't hold any credit for himself. He gives credit uh, to the church of Philippi. And I don't know about you, but when people act that way, and, and how I'm going to word it is when they act that selfless, uh, there's something about them that, that makes you just drawn into them and makes you want to know more, right? And one, I believe it's because right now we're in this era where everybody's just focused on me uh, and we never really see, I guess, selflessness as much. Um, but I can think of a few believers that just have that 
that attitude of gratitude, that selflessness that just comes off of them. And it always, you can just tell, like you can be in the room with them and be like, no, that something's different about them. And I think it's important for us as believers to, to have that because here's the thing, you can use your gratitude, you can use your selflessness as a platform to share the gospel. People are gonna see how you respond. They're gonna see how you react and then they're gonna wanna know what makes you different. And in that moment, you're allowed to use it to tell them about Jesus. So I think that's absolutely phenomenal. Of course, if using gratitude as a platform to share the gospel isn't enough, uh, I also want you guys to understand that Jesus expects it from us, okay? Uh, If you go to Luke 17, you can find a really cool story of 10 lepers. So what's happening is Jesus is, is walking, he's on his way to Jerusalem, and as he's traveling, uh, he comes across 10 lepers. They see Jesus, uh, and obviously he's got this reputation about him. They know who Jesus is at this point, and they cry out, Jesus, master, have mercy on us, right? And in typical Jesus fashion, he drops everything he's doing, he walks over, and he heals them. Uh, and so they're excited. I imagine like they're just freaking out because the life of a leper was, was not glorious at all. And then Jesus tells them, hey, go and show yourself to the priest. You've been healed, now go. In their excitement, they all jump up and nine of them just run off. They're like, we're gone. We're gonna tell the world about what you did. But one of the lepers stayed behind. He turns around and he just drops to the feet of Jesus and he just thanks him. And this is how Jesus replies in in Luke 17, 17, 19. Jesus answered, were not 10 cleansed? Where are the nine? Was not one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Rise and go your way. Your faith has been made well. So right here, Jesus is is pointing out this this idea, this expectation, this this form of gratitude. Um, And and really, when we get a little bit later uh, into this teaching, we're going to learn that that gratitude is a form of worship. And so Jesus is saying, like, was it just you, just the one? Uh, And I absolutely love that. One, I love it because I wish I could have been there to, like, hear the intonation in Jesus's voice, because I think his reply is amazing. He goes, we're not 10 cleansed. Uh, And so I would have just loved to hear that. But I also love it because Jesus uh, compares uh, the leper's gratitude to his faith. Like, he puts those two things on the same plane. And that's because while gratitude is an act of selflessness towards our fellow man, it's an act of worship to God. Psalms 100 verse 4 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. So gratitude is what worship looks like. And I really believe, like, during this time, gratitude is something we need to, like, hold fast of uh, because, one, it's going to bring us closer to our fellow man. It's going to show a sense of selflessness, which we really need to do while the world is hurting. Uh, But, two, we should never stop worshiping God. We should never stop being grateful uh, for what he's done. Now, the second thing that really comes to mind while reading through uh, the end of Philippians is the importance of generosity, Now, I understand that when you start talking about generosity in church, uh, people start to get a little finicky. Uh, They start to kind of tense up. And and I know it's going to be a lot easier to like switch off your device uh, than it would have been to get up and like walk out during a gathering. But please just bear with me. Uh, I I think you're going to love what we can pull about generosity uh, from Philippians. And the thing is, is we can't ignore it because generosity is so much a part of what's happening. So I believe there's some pretty cool lessons here. First, 
the, the main thing that I get from this is that you do not have to have it all together to be generous. You don't have to have it all together to be generous. Now, remember, guys, the point of the uh, Pauline letters, it was to teach churches. So these are like new churches. This is the beginning of Christianity. So these letters are going out to teach these churches what it looks like to be a believer, right? And yet here we are, we're in 2020. Uh, we have, uh, we have obviously have a printed Bible, which they did not have. We have all of these resources. And, and many of us, especially in the South, are part of a, a long line of Christians. Like we could be the fifth generation Christian in our family. Uh, and all that said, we've somehow convinced ourselves uh, that we just aren't where we need to be, either spiritually or, or financially or whatever, uh, to be generous with our time and our resources. So here we have like this baby church, the starter church, and they get it. They understand what it takes to share the gospel. And yet we've convinced ourselves uh, that we not, don't have the margin uh, to be generous. Uh, but I want you guys to know today is that's the furthest from the truth. Paul actually deals with this issue uh, with the church of Corinth, and he, he writes to them. He says, uh, for if the readiness, and wh- what I want to point out here is while this is the ESV, other translations do define that word readiness as desire, okay? So if the readiness or if the desire is there, it is acceptable uh, to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burden, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need so that their abundance may supply your need, uh, that there may be fairness. So we, we, we cannot pull in from that. Uh, and there's a couple ideas is one, if you're in a situation to give, then, then give. And then when you're not in a situation to give, it's okay to receive. Uh, but the other thing we understand about generosity is that it doesn't matter if you have it together or if you have enough. It's not a matter of that. It's a matter of the heart. It's not, it, it doesn't matter if you don't have enough margin. It's a matter of your desire, right? And so generosity is more of a thought process and a way of life than it is what you have in your pocket. And I think once we can grip a hold of that, that idea, that truth, we can then start stepping into that generous lifestyle that we see the church of Philippi lay out. The second thing that really stood out to me was that generosity takes the gospel further than our limitations allow. So at the time, uh, like long distance travel really wasn't a thing. Many of the members of the Church of Philippi probably never left the region of Philippi in the same way that a lot of us don't leave that eastern shore bubble. We, we just kind of hang out uh, in our area. But the thing is, is they didn't allow their limitations to stop them from taking the gospel regionally and globally. Uh, instead, they leaned into Paul and they provided uh, him with the resources he needed. And because of that, he was able to travel uh, over an estimated 10,000 miles and take the gospel with him uh, wherever he went. Now, I know this is going to sound uh, like a shameless plug, but at Three Circle, we actually give you guys the opportunity to take a page out of their book and be generous in the same way uh, that they were. Uh, because we have partnerships with um, like people like Dulas, AIM, or, or Roads of Hope. And then, of course, uh, we have a missions pastor here, and there's tons of missionaries that we're connected with. Uh, and we give you the chance to make a bigger impact than the Philippians could have ever imagined. And so what I want to challenge you right now in this time uh, where it may not be the best decision to even leave your home, it does not mean you can't be acting to share the gospel. It doesn't mean you can't be generous uh, with what you do have to make sure that you're still fulfilling the Great Commission. Now, finally, the last thing that stands out to me from this, uh, this section of verses is the faithfulness 
of the Philippians. And I, I think this is a really, really big point. Uh, but what we need to do to understand it is we need to focus specifically in on verse 19. To me, this verse stands as like a crescendo, like a really high point uh, for the rest of the section. It reads this, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now, this is an important one because it points out God's promise to us. See, Paul is intentionally ending this letter because he wants the Philippians to understand uh, that their steadfast faith will pay off. See, what we can learn from this and and what we understand uh, is that staying faithful to what God has called you to is important, right? And the thing is, is it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Uh, At the time that Paul actually wrote this letter to the Philippians, uh, it had been 10 years since his first visit to them, right? So 10 years had passed since he had been there and since he had shared the gospel. Uh, And during all that time, they remained faithful to what God had called them to at the start of his ministry. And what he had called them to at the start was sending Paul, was making sure Paul was taken care of uh, so he could go out and share the gospel. And, and what this makes me think of is the parable of the talents, right? So if, if you're not familiar with this parable of the talents, there's a, a landowner who uh, has three servants. And what he's doing is he's going to go off for a while. He's going to go travel. Uh, he's going to go take care of some business. And he pulls his three servants aside and he says, hey, I want to give you um, some talents. I want to give you some money and I want you to invest it. I want you to use it wisely. He gives one of them five. He gives one of them two. He gives one of them one. Right? So he goes off uh, and he returns. When he comes back, he pulls them aside again. And we see that the one that he gave five turned them into ten. The one that he gave four uh, or two turned them into four, excuse me. And the one that he gave one was so fearful of what would happen, he just hit it and did nothing with it. Now, the master gets upset with him because the thing is, is the master gave them so much and two of them decided to go do something with it. But one was given so much and decided to do nothing with it. And so for that one, he calls him out on it. He, he tells him, man, you're wicked. You're sorrowful. You had the opportunity to do something great and you chose not to. But to the other two, he says that very faithful verse uh, or famous verse that you can find in Matthew 15, 21. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into joy of your master. Now that is something we all want to hear at the end, right? We all want to get to the end of our lives and we want to enter in the richness and the glory of Jesus. Uh, But what that means is like the Philippians, we must remain faithful. Because here's the thing, as believers, we have already been given so much through the grace of Jesus. Like he, he, lived his life. He died a death that he did not deserve. He rose uh, from the grave. He ascended into heaven with the sole purpose of buying eternity for us. So we have so much because of him. We have eternity because of him. The question is, is what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? Are you going to invest it? Are you going to make it better? Or are you just going to hide it? Because right now, and I'm going to be honest with you guys, it's very easy in our current situation to just take a break. It's very easy just to to take the the riches and the grace that you have been given as a believer and to just not do anything with it. It's easy to just stay at home during this time and and watch Netflix or or stay on social media and, and worry about politics when all of that stuff is going to pass away. And the only thing that's going to last is the eternity that you have and that you were asked to share and to invest. So again, I ask you, what are you going to do with it? 
In reality, in times like this, we should be running harder. We should be running that marathon harder than ever before because right now we have the opportunity for people to see what it means to be a believer and for people to actually listen to the gospel maybe for the first time. And that's what he's called us to. We have to make an effort to be faithful and to continue to be faithful. And in doing so, we can trust that as he said to the Philippians, that God will supply us with every need according to his riches and glory. We know that God is going to keep the promises that he's told us whenever we go out and do these things because the author of Hebrews tells us in 1023, let us hold fast the confession of our hope, the truth of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. So as we wrap up this letter to the Philippians, uh, as we finish the summer series, let us remember that during this time as believers, we should respond to people with gratitude. We should respond with selflessness as we're strolling through Facebook or as we're running into people at the supermarket with our mask on. We should be showing an attitude of gratitude towards them, an attitude of selflessness towards them, an attitude of gratitude towards God, thanking him for what he did, right? And then we should show generosity in all that we do. We should be willing to not have to worry about what our funds look like or what our time looks like, but instead focus in on what our heart looks like and then just have the desire to be generous for God. And then finally, we need to assure that we are constantly steadfast in our faith. We cannot grow lazy during this time. We cannot start slowing down during this time. Instead, we need to run harder because when we do those things, uh, I can be sure that we will hear that phrase we want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Uh, So make sure that during this season, we're leaning into the truth that we've learned over the last uh, 13 weeks and, of course, the truth that we've learned today. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Y'all have a great night.